Yeah, she had, uh, she was uh, a wonderful person, but she was someone of very strong faith. And she always knew that she always felt like there was a purpose for everything, even before I started MS Run the US. But once I started the organization and then ran across the country and um, got the relay going and then really started to do some fundraising, um, she felt that that purpose for it gave her life and her struggles a little bit more uh, layer of conviction that it had happened for a reason. And, um, she was very proud of the work that we did. She was also very adamant that she wanted people to know why it was, why she was so joyful and and just a very strong Christian and wanted to share that faith with other people. And so it gave her an opportunity to, to, to share the, you know, the, the thing that impacted her life so much in such a positive way. Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime Feel Good Runner himself, Jim Lynch. Hello runners and welcome to 2020, a brand new year and a brand new decade. My name is Jim Lynch and this is my podcast, Feel Good Running, and I'd like to welcome you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're brand new to running, just started this year and found my podcast, well, welcome. If you're an existing runner and you just found my podcast, welcome. And if you're one of my regular listeners that I appreciate so much, Welcome to episode number 20. All right, little delay in getting this episode out for a good reason. I've been sick. I got hit with that flu. I went to a New Year's Eve party and there was about 15 of us at the house and 11 of us got sick. So it's this congestion in the chest and the cough and the sneezing and the cold and the chills and you name it. I guess it's that time of the year. What a way to welcome this brand new year and decade. But I'm better now and it's time for the episode. And I have a great guest for episode number 20. Her name is Ashley Schneider. And this is an incredible story. In 2010, Ashley ran from San Francisco to New York. That's right. All the way across the United States. And upon completion, she became the 16th female to ever run across America. And that was in 2010. But she had a big why. Her mom, Jill, had multiple sclerosis and Ashley wanted to bring awareness to this horrible disease. And from that, she created the MS Run the U.S., which is a relay across the United States and is 19 segments. And the participants are selected through a application process. And each selected participant will run roughly 150 to 170 miles in a six day period for their particular segment. It's a very incredible story. You're going to really enjoy my interview with Ashley later on 
along with one of the runners, Laura Allred. And Laura explains how she got involved with MS Run the U.S. Relay, both as an ambassador and a running participant. You know, I never knew this existed. And then when I came across a story, I'm thinking, you know, stuff like this happens in the U.S. And sometimes we're not aware of it. So I'm bringing this to your attention because it's very worthwhile. So don't miss it. It's coming up in just a little bit. All right. So I have a few things that are going on that I like to talk about. You know, I know it's a fresh new year and you probably have your running goals for 2020, your races that you may want to do this year. You may want to do a marathon, half, 10K, 5K. If you're new to running, you're probably really getting excited about the results that you're already seeing. But whatever those goals are, I'm sure you either started your training or you're going to start very soon for whatever spring race you may be planning on doing or maybe something in the summer. I don't know, but you're probably well on your way. So be sure you stick with it. Consistency will get you wherever you want your running to take you. All right. So uh, my the last episode that I did, number 19, which was running news, was a big, huge hit. And so was the one at Thanksgiving too. So I'm doing those every month and it seems that you really like those. So I will keep bringing those to you on a monthly basis. They're called mini-sodes. And thank you for all of you that are listening to those. It's fun to do and it's fun to find those stories. They're fun stories, inspirational stories, motivational stories. And I like finding them and bringing them to you. Now, something really cool happened recently. Back in November, Hearst Publishing contacted me in regards to the Maui Marathon, and they wanted to know about specifically the half marathon that we put on in the marathon series and wanted some pictures and maybe a caption from me. So I was able to gather up some pictures and a link to them, and I forgot about it. We went back and forth, back and forth, and then they finally sent a picture that they said that they would like to use. And if I could write up a little caption. So I did and I sent it to him. Well, in this month's edition of Runner's World magazine, we are listed as the best half marathon. And the name of the article was 10 jaw-dropping, breathtaking, I'm never going back to work running trips to take this year, which is in 2020. And we were listed as the best half The picture is of a married couple that was here from San Francisco. They didn't identify them in the article, but uh, I do know who they are, their names. I don't know them personally. And it said that uh, the Maui Half Marathon, Maui, Hawaii, which is October 11th this year. And the caption is, Hawaii is a bucket list paradise, regardless of your reason for going there. But add a breathtaking half marathon during which you can watch the sunrise above the beach and you have a no-brainer trip worthy of your vacation days. And this is true. We start the half marathon at 5.30 a.m. and it is dark for about the first mile and a half, maybe two miles. And uh, you get to see the sunrise. And by the time you get to the ocean, you're going to see the sun come up over Haleakala and reflect along the ocean. Uh, probably while you're on Front Street. So it is amazing. I thank Runner's World, both the magazine and online for putting that in. And uh, if you want more information on the Maui Marathon for 2020, 
please go to MauiMarathon.com. That's MauiMarathon.com. Now, I've been co-race director for the last three years. They don't pay me to do this plug for them. I just wanted to mention it because I'm appreciative of being involved with the race because it's a great race and to runner's world. So, you know, it's uh, middle of winter and you're probably thinking, I would love to be in a warm environment in some sunshine. And now would be the time to start planning your vacation for October 11th out here. Okay, so I want to ask you a question. What kind of runner are you? Are you an extroverted runner or are you a introverted runner? And the reason that I am asking that question is because I came across an article in the New York Times last December 12th, and the author was Judy Chavez, and the name of the article is Running While Introverted. Now, people out here on Maui probably think I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually an introvert. And it just so happens that I just feel more comfortable around runners and I can be more myself and a little bit more extroverted. But I thought about this article when I read it and it's very interesting. Obviously, Judy Chavez, the author, is an introverted person. And even in the uh, title, the subtitle, it says, for me, running is not a social activity. It is a extremely private affair. So in her article, she writes about the first half marathon that she did. And when she did it, she joined the two and a half hour pace group. So her goal was to run a steady pace and be with others that shared that goal. But what she didn't realize when she was in the pace group is that the two pacers were going to carry on a conversation the entire half marathon, and it was loud enough for all the runners in the pace group to join in. Now, that didn't work out very well for her because she's an introvert. So what she did is she broke away from the group far enough to be outside of that voice range, but close enough to keep an eye on where the pace group was. And because she was in her quiet zone away from everybody, she actually finished a better time than she ever imagined. Now, obviously reading the article, Judy relies on the quietness when she runs. She mentions in the article that it gives her the proper space to think and focus on decisions. And since she's a writer, she can even revise what she is writing in her head when she's running in her quiet space. Now, she mentions in her article, and I like this, when you are an introvert, the need for quiet is a powerful motivator. So after I read Judy's article, I started thinking about my own running and I'm a very big fan of running groups and I will always be a part of a running group. But I notice, and this goes back several years, I will start off with the group and I'll even run with somebody for a little bit, but eventually I will peel off and I'll find myself running by myself. And as I was thinking about it, I kind of went back to that space and what happens there is I have a chance to think and to clear my head and to work through problems. And so I would say that in that aspect, I'm an introverted runner. I even find when I go for my own individual training runs or just regular runs by myself that I find euphoria in those runs. It gives me that chance to clear my head. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. When I run with somebody, you're not going to get much conversation out of me. If somebody else wants to talk, that's fine. But what you're going to get from me is, uh-huh. Oh, really? That sounds amazing. Wow. I get it. Did you really do that? I am impressed. Uh-huh. Going to get a lot of uh-huhs. And yep. And uh-huh. And yep. And uh-huh. 
That's pretty much the conversation that I will share with somebody. I may say a joke in the group every so often, but that's about it. And don't get me wrong. I love to listen to other people's conversations. I'm just not a conversational person when I run. And after reading Judy's article, I even started thinking about when I was doing marathons and I would, I never did pace groups. I never got into the like three hour and 30 minute pace group or whatever, which one it is. Um, because I just wanted to be by myself in the marathon. I wanted to get into my own head, do my own calculations, do my own thoughts and not really talk to anybody. I was there for a reason. And that reason was for me. You know, marathons are an individual sport, so to each his own. I mean, other people really have to have the conversations and they're extroverted, but I'm not. And so I would say that I'm kind of a 50-50 person when it comes to running and being an introvert or extrovert. I can be extroverted when I want to be, but the majority of the time I'm an introvert. And I will tell you that afterwards... When we go out for breakfast or we're hanging around after the run, I'm more of an extrovert because I'm done with my run. I'm done clearing my head. And of course, the fellowship and socialization after the run is something that I look forward to. That is my happy spot. So what do you think? What's your thoughts? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Go to feelgoodrunning.com and leave a comment. I'd really like to hear your opinion on how you approach running. But I thought this was interesting. And if you want to read Judy's article, there's a link to it in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. All right, it's time. It's definitely time for our special guest of this episode. So stay with us. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. Okay, runners, as I mentioned earlier, my guest this episode is Ashley Schneider, who in 2010 ran from San Francisco to New York, and it took her six months running the equivalent of a marathon a day, six days a week. And she did it to bring awareness to and raise money for multiple sclerosis. Her mom, Jill, was diagnosed with MS before Ashley was even born and lived with it for 36 long years. And she passed away due to MS in 2017. Now, MS Run the U.S. was actually founded by Ashley in 2009 prior to her personal run across the United States. So in 2013, seven years ago, the MS Run the U.S. Relay was born. The Ultra Relay is an annual 19-segment relay run that stretches 3,260 miles across America for the MS cause. And it begins each year in April in Santa Monica, California, and finishes in August in New York City. So the relay runners are selected through a online application process. And to participate, each runner commits to fundraising $10,000 over 10 months and to run approximately 160 miles over six consecutive days during his or her assigned relay segment. Once selected, each runner spends months training and fundraising with in-depth help from the organization prior to the event start as they prepare to devote one week on the road while completing their segment's miles. And they are aided on the road by the organization's road crew team. And each runner's segment is logistically coordinated back-to-back as part of the collective team effort to run across America. 
Donations raised support the organization's mission to raise awareness of the MS disease, aid research, and to help those living with disability due to MS. And to date, MS Run the U.S. has raised over $1.5 million. Way to go, Ashley. So get a pen and jot this down. Their website is msrunthus.org. And there are links included in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. And you can go there and get more information. And even the, the article that I found that made me aware of this wonderful organization and what, what Ashley has created. So now enjoy my conversation with founder Ashley Schneider and also some words from Laura Allred, who's been an ambassador and actually kicked off the relay doing the first segment from Santa Monica last year. So enjoy, folks. you're doing out there is absolutely amazing and I did not know anything about MS Run the U.S. until I found an article of a woman by the name of Jamie Weiss who did a last leg of what you've created which was leg 19 and she ran into New York City uh, and she ran I think it was 180 miles or 140 something like that and it intrigued me, so I started doing some research, and it all came back to you and, and how this all started, and I think it's an amazing story, and I think our listeners are going to love to hear this, and probably some might even want to get involved with MS Run the U.S. So first, tell me about you. You were born in Brookfield, Wisconsin, right? Correct. And thank you for that. I really appreciate all the kind things you have to say about our organization. But uh, I was born in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And well, how far back do you want me to go? 1984? <laughs> well, um, yeah, just kind of kind of your 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 childhood. And I know that and then we can segue a little bit into your mom. Yeah. So I'm from Wisconsin and I have always been a runner not a marathon runner, but just growing up, I'd always been drawn to distance. Um, in middle school, it was 800 meters was the longest thing that we did as athletes at that point. And it was, you know, um, I went to a private grade school, so our track and field season was two weeks. We had a week for training and then a week for track and field that we did just within the school. Uh, wasn't a part of a cross country team until I got to high school, but by the time I got to high school, I knew I really enjoyed running and was excited about the opportunity to be on a cross country team. And it was a really good fit for me. It was, uh, just again, really enjoyed it. So, um, after high school went to college and I also was a soccer player. So decided to do collegiate soccer. And I chose that just for like the team aspect of being on a team in college. And I loved running and I, I enjoy being competitive, but I tend to get ahead of myself in um, being competitive. So I didn't want my competitive nature to uh, overshadow my love of running. And so I decided to keep it more of like a recreation thing for myself. So ran recreationally in college, you know, three to five miles every day just to just to get out there and, you know, do what us runners do, sort through our psychological mazes within our minds. So, oh, yeah, psychological. Uh, <laughs> and, 
got, I graduated with a degree in exercise and sports science from University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. I had an art teacher in high school who told me to figure out what you love to do and then find out how to get paid for it. And I just loved being an athlete, loved the whole aspect of that. So that's what drew me, drew me to exercise and sports science and was intending to do physical therapy, got into a doctorate physical therapy program, but ended up um, also getting offered a job with Royal Caribbean on their cruise ships. So I took the opportunity to travel. And one of the reasons I took the opportunity to travel was because of my mom. And she had been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And so I grew up my whole life watching her lose some of her abilities, her mobility, her endurance, her independence. But she had this great spirit about her. And she's a wonderful person to be around. And one of the things that her and my father both taught me was that if you have the opportunity to do something, you should do it now and not wait because you never know what's going to happen. Um, she got diagnosed with MS when she was in her mid twenties after they had had their first, my older sister. And, and then by the time I had been in college, it was a lot more difficult for her to move around to get places. There were definitely more logistics medications involved in that. So I saw the value in doing things now while I was young and healthy. And so that's why I took the job on the cruise ship rather than going to grad school. So traveled around the world and running stayed with me and just kind of would get off in ports and, and go see the world on foot. Did you ever do any races prior to uh, going on the cruise ship? You never did a marathon, right? I had never done a marathon. I I should dig it up my very first half marathon, but I had done at least two half marathons, maybe three, but no more than three half marathons. My first mar- half marathon experience was uh, very interesting. I went out and ran it like it was a 5K for the first nine miles and then just hit the wall and limped my way to the finish for four miles. I could not believe how bad I was hurting. I took no gels. I didn't really understand nutrition and how it affected a, a longer race like 13 miles. So that was my first real experience of like, you need to eat something or take in some carbohydrates and nutrition in order to really get past the hour mark. Um, so then I, and then I was really intrigued on how to do that. So then I did sign up for another half marathon and did much better. Hmm. You know, I'm from Wisconsin, not from Wisconsin, but I spent three years in Wisconsin. I was in, uh, my career has been in cable television. So I lived in Sheboygan. Ooh. Ooh, I lived in, yeah, I know. I I moved there from Pennsylvania where I originally was living and born. Uh, and then I went to Appleton after that. Okay. And Appleton was a cool, cool town. And then- It's much better than Sheboygan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Sheboygan, I got my taste of Milwaukee because we used to come down. I moved there in 1982. I think that's right before you were born, a couple of years before right. you were born. And uh, in 82, the Brewers were in the World Series. And Mm -hmm. then, um, so I got to go to Milwaukee a lot. And then after that, I I left for six months on a project and then came back and lived in Kenosha. Okay. Yeah. So I know you, where you live now is just west of Milwaukee. Correct. I love Milwaukee. I was actually planning on moving out to Colorado. I'd lived in Boulder for nine months before I got on the cruise ship and I loved it. And I was planning on living there again. And then I met my husband and fell in love and uh, decided to stay home 
to be with him. And it ended up being great because that kept me close to family. I was always into like traveling and going and exploring. Um, but ultimately once I started my own family, it was nice to be close to family. And, um, my parents both passed three years ago. So mm. now I really appreciate having spent that time being close to them, not knowing how little of time we had together. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, family's so important and, uh, Colorado is a nice state. I moved here to Maui from Denver. So I'm very familiar with that area. Um, so tell me on the cruise ship, uh, when you were on the cruise ship, you enjoyed that, but you had an epiphany when you were on the cruise ship. Tell me about your epiphany. I more than enjoyed the cruise ship. I absolutely loved it. I was getting paid to travel around the world and I was going to vacation destinations and just getting the opportunity of a lifetime at 22, 23 years old. So, um, so yeah, this epiphany definitely changed my life. I wasn't going to stay on the cruise ships forever, but I was, uh, the ship was coming into Barcelona and I always got up early to get my workouts in. If we weren't in a port where I could go running or if my schedule didn't allow running on land, I would wake up and go to our fitness center and do some miles on the treadmill and weight lift up there and be done by 6.30 a.m. And so this was an early morning run. You know, I was probably 30 to 35 minutes on the treadmill. And I had started thinking about, I was meeting all these people from all over the world that had always wanted to see the U.S. And I basically left the U.S. and went and saw the world. And so I realized gee, there was a lot of stuff I hadn't seen in America. And I started thinking about the different sites that I would love to see in the country and endorphin filled ideas was that I could run from one state to the next and meet friends that I had met on the cruise ship along the way and see these great, great sites. And it kind of built into this with enough time I could run across America and it would have, it would have just stayed at that fun kind of dreamlike idea had I not thought to do it for my mom. Uh, because I don't, I mean, I, it's a lot of work to run across the country. I don't know if it would have been something that I would have taken the time to plan and execute if there was no purpose behind it. But I thought if I was going to run across America, I could do something huge like that to raise awareness and funds for multiple sclerosis and help find a cure. So when that, when those two things came together, using running to just see the U S and then also using it for a purpose, it was uh, an understanding very quickly that that's what I had always been made to do. I just hadn't realized it till that point. So once I realized it, I did a, like a quick flash training session for a couple weeks to see if I would actually physically be capable of doing something like that. And once I realized my body was responding very positively to the intense training, I started putting it under, I quit my job and moved home. My gosh. So for the listeners out there, you, you live with your mom with MS for, for your entire life, actually. Um, can you tell everybody kind of an explanation what MS is and what the symptoms are in the, in that disease, a terrible disease? Yes, of course. Uh, so it is a autoimmune disease where your body's own defense system attacks a part of the body. So with multiple sclerosis specifically, it attacks the central nervous system, which is the brain, the spinal cord, and the optic nerves. And uh, there is a five to eight year lag from onset to diagnosis. It varies per person. Um, my mom was diagnosed very quickly. And because 
there is such a wide range of where the disease can attack. Everybody experiences the disease differently. Symptoms can be general, um, but they can also be very specific to the person. So some general symptoms would be pain, numbness, and tingling in the extremities. Um, they can go all the way from being mobile while having pain and numbness all the way to, you know, ending up in a wheelchair and, and having immobility in your, in your limbs. Um, there can be cognitive dysfunction, uh, speech impairment, eyesight, hearing loss, um, a, a whole gamut of different things. And it really depends on where the disease attacks your central nervous system, you know, and your nerves basically run from your ba brain to your body and are the communication highways between your brain and your body. So the disease disrupts that communication and cut off and can cut off that pathway, which is what would end up in, you know, someone's legs not being um, of use anymore after being diagnosed. Does this accelerate um, as it progresses? Because I believe your mom lived with it for 36 years. Correct. Yeah, um, it can or it might not. So that there's a huge variety. And if you're diagnosed with MS, there is real no... A disease path that can be laid out for you saying, Hey, this is likely going to happen. Um, there's a couple different kinds of multiple sclerosis. So the one that most people are diagnosed with is called relapsing remitting, which is what my mom had. And you, in that they have a flare up of a symptom. Uh, so let's say someone wakes up one morning and they have pain and numbness in their right leg. And then by the time they get out of bed, their legs not working. Um, that could last hours. It could last a day. It could last a month. Um, there's definitely been some progression in the medication. So they do steroid treatments to try and get the, the flare up to die down and get the functionality back quicker. But there is no real way to say when or if that functionality is going to come back. So I think for me, not having MS, um, imagining like my mom diagnosed at the age 27, um, that would probably be for me the the scariest thing is waking up every day and not knowing uh, what kind of symptoms I may or may not have to be dealing with. Yeah, geez, it's got to be tough. I can't imagine it. You know, runners, runners. I don't care if you're doing a 10k, a marathon, whatever. We all have a why why we do it, and um, you know, some may be for reasons of tragedies in their life or maybe, you know, addiction or whatever, but your why was your mom. And that was a big why to run across the United States. And I think that was your, your engine on, on why you did it. So you started, uh, your run across the U S and this was just something that you wanted to do. And you wanted to raise a half a million dollars on the original run. And this was by yourself. There was, you did organize MS run the U S already because that's how you got sponsors. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, uh, started up in San Francisco, correct? Yeah. And so tell me, tell me about how you planned. How did you plan and finally get started? Because that's a, that's a lot of time. You went March to September, I believe. Correct. So I was 25 when I left the cruise ship, came home, uh, my intention was not to start a charity. It was to run across the country, but I came to founding MS Run the U.S. as a, as a 501c3 charity organization 
because I realized if I was going to raise half a million dollars, donors were going to want um, that tax uh, kickback and potentially for sponsors. So that's how the charity came about. And that was really um, blissful youth fueled uh, ignorance, which I, I think is so valuable because I didn't know what I was getting into, but I was just, I was willing to tackle whatever came my way. So I, I took one thing at a time. So the first thing I had to do was, you know, file a 501c3 because I didn't want to hire a lawyer to do that because that was going to cost five to $10,000 I didn't have. Um, so I figured things out as I went along the way. Um, I learned HTML so that I could build the website because I didn't want to hire someone or pay someone to, you know, to do that. So I did little things like that because I was working on the side with the main focus of I'm going to take off of whatever job I have and leave for six months to run across the country. And I was adamant that I was going to find people along the way. I didn't know who they were that were going to help me. So I was going to, I wanted to have a motorhome to live in while I was running across the country, but I didn't want to buy one. So I was adamant that someone, I would meet someone that would borrow me their motorhome, which ended up happening six weeks before. How did that happen? (laughs) It's just these, I love these little great side stories because there's no way to predict. So my aunt who lives in Wild Rose, Wisconsin, which is like 800 people. Uh, it's very small. She was my, one of my mom's best friends. And so she hosted a polka pancake breakfast for Wild Rose, Wisconsin. And a lot of people from the town came out and, you know, there were all these raffle prizes. So we were up in Wild Rose and one of the uh, individuals that came to that event had MS her neighbor had a motor motor home or, and they had a cousin that had MS. And so she had reached out to them and let them know what I was doing. And they had agreed to borrow me their motor home. Wow. And that was in January, like it was maybe December. And I was supposed to leave in March. I had already set my date and told people I'd be in San Francisco, March 22nd, running across the golden gate bridge. And I hadn't had that logistical piece in place yet, but I just kept reminding myself every morning that today is a new day, a new opportunity to meet someone and, and that someone was going to come along that was going to be able to help me in that capacity. So I did things like that for a year and three months until, um, March came along and then left in that motorhome, drove from Wisconsin to San Francisco. And on March 22nd, I started running East. So you drove the motorhome out to San Francisco. You went on that and, uh, your boyfriend at the time, he was your boyfriend, right? And he was, he was your, he was your, uh, driver commander and all that other stuff. And you were the one that was to do the running. Yep. He, we had uh, just started dating. We were maybe been dating for three weeks on the cruise ship when this epiphany came to me. And when I told him about it, he thought it was a really cool thing and a great way to tour the U S as well. Um, and neither of us were ultra marathon runners. We had really no idea what we were getting into. Um, so he thought it was a great idea and he had decided he was going to leave the company as well. And he was going to drive me across America while I ran. That is awesome. And for everybody, you were not, you, you were just a casual runner. You weren't, uh, you weren't any type of super elite runner at the time. So that's even more amazing on what you have done. So how did you plan, uh, you know, your route? How did that all work out? Which directions you were going, what cities you were going to go through, states and and all of that? So I want to revisit something real quick before we get to the route. Um, 
I, I wasn't a marathon runner. Um, I wasn't, ultra, I didn't even know what ultra marathon running was, but I did before I really committed to it, test my body's ability to do it. So I always encourage people, you know, do big things, do ambitious things, like get ahead of yourself and get outside of what, what you think is comfortable, but also, you know, be smart about it and take care Prepare. of your body and listen to what, what your body is saying to you. Um, well, you and trained you for a year, to- didn't you? beforehand you trained for a year to prepare for this run correct but before i even left the cruise ship before i even said yes i'm going to do this i immediately upped my mileage from just three to five miles a day i started doing two eight mile runs um every day for two weeks and at first i was really sore but then after about 10 days i started to feel stronger and at that point i knew okay like i'm gonna work through some soreness but my body is capable of doing these big chunks of miles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the route, I just kind of picked places I wanted to visit because it was that, hey, I want to tour America on foot. Where do I want to go? So San Francisco appealed to me because of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and from there, I plotted to Denver. And so uh, looking between San Francisco and Denver, running through Salt Lake, you know, kind of like picking some of the major cities to connect the more desolate areas of the country that I would be running through is how I did it. So from Denver, I wanted to come home to Milwaukee. Um, and then from Milwaukee, I kind of just took uh, one of the one of my good friends from the cruise ship lived in Pennsylvania. So I was like, all right, we'll hit up Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then finish in New York, uh, because I couldn't think of anything grander than finishing New York. So if you left in March and you were going through Utah and Denver and all that, you're hitting some pretty shaky weather periods in there because it can be 80 degrees or it can be a blizzard. There was, I ran through everything. I have, you know, I went over the mountains in the spring. And so I have some really funny videos of me trying to run in snowstorms. And it was very, you know, definitely during the spring, it was chilly, windy at times across Nevada and, uh, running through that spring weather, there was rain, but I'm from Wisconsin and I trained in the winter. Um, you know, I left in March, so I was training November through early February in Wisconsin. And I wanted to be the most hardy runner that I could make myself. So if the weather was really crappy, I would go out in it in Wisconsin during training. I tried to do everything that was as difficult as possible so that I was mentally and physically prepared to endure that during the the run across the country. Right. And um, I like the way that you ran this because you would run in the morning and then you would break and then you'd run again later in the afternoon into the evening. So it wasn't as if you were in you. How many miles a day did you usually average about 13 I was 24 miles a day. 24 miles a day. So you split it up and, you know, didn't just go out there and do 24 and then move on to the next day. I thought that was really smart because a lot of people just continue to go and you didn't get injured. You had two blisters throughout the whole trip. And one of the things I did with the running too is I, in the first couple of weeks, I didn't even hit 20 miles a day and then it built up. So by the finish, by my last month, I was hitting 30, 35, 40 miles days quite, I don't want to say easily, but on a regular basis without it taxing my body, I used the entire country as almost like a trading build to finish in New York healthy. Um, but I did find that 
breaking up the miles. I would do, you know, 10 to 15 miles in the morning and then less in the evening, but breaking them up allowed my body to not only recover, but to not deplete of nutrition that I, that, or even to stress it to a certain point after two and a half hours that I would have stressed my body to had I stayed out on the road for four to five hours at a time. That's amazing. Now, did you, uh, how did, what did you do for food? Did you have it in the camper and cook it all yourself all the way across and avoid restaurants and all that? No, I ate everything. And I, I normally am a really drawn to more healthy foods. Like in high school, I always liked drinking tea and never was really about soda and was very health conscious just naturally. But for this, I was really open to the idea of whatever my body was going to need, it was going to tell me. So, and a lot of ultra runners experience this as well, really drawn to very salty foods because you're going through a ton of sodium. So, um, I ate more footlong subways than one could possibly sit down and I would plow through a footlong sub, a bag of chips, three cookies, a soda, and an hour later be hungry. And I just, I ate whatever my body wanted. I ended up really, really loving ice cold Coca-Cola out of a can and uh, salt and vinegar potato chips. You know, uh, after when I was in my peak of running marathons, I loved a Diet Coke at the end. Loved yeah. it. I thought that was yeah. the best thing, the carbonation <laughs> and and all of that. So you got to the finish. You made it to New York City in September, I believe. Some September 28th. And you were depressed. You, you weren't, weren't that, that it should have been a, a glorious thing because you did this, you did it for your mom, but you felt empty. You wanted to raise a half a million dollars based on what I saw. You maybe made 12% of that goal, about 54,000, something like that. Correct. 56,000. Yep. So you're probably there wondering, oh, I did all this and this is that. So when you went through your depression, how did it progress up to where it came to existence as a relay? So while I was doing my run across the country, I realized that I wanted to keep working on MS Run the US as a charity and using running for purpose, but I didn't know what it was going to necessarily look like. Probably about midway through the country, I had met enough runners that had met me to run with me. And they had said, I'd always wanted to do something like this, but I don't have the time or the resources that it planted a seed in me that other runners wanted to do something like this. And then probably two thirds through the country, I realized, uh, even though I was very hopeful, I would get some random, very large donation that I was not meeting my fundraising goals. And I started to spend my time running, thinking about how do you fundraise that much? How do you access other people's networks and get them to really get on board with what you're doing as a cause so that by the time I finished in New York, I did know I wanted to do a relay of some sort, um, some sort of segmented relay. Depression isn't the right word. It was like this. um, Everyone was so proud of me. And I, I never questioned if I was going to physically be able to run across the country. It just was something in me that I knew I could do. So achieving that goal wasn't, um, unsatisfying, but it wasn't the main goal. And so having fallen short of the fundraising goal, it really nagged at me. Nagging is kind of a better word where I was like, I wasn't unhappy, but I was like, why, 
why couldn't I achieve this? You know, why didn't I achieve this? And um, it ultimately rolled into uh, a lot of people were asking me too. okay, you've run across the country at 25 years old. What are you going to do now with your life? And so uh, that really was I started telling people I'm going to do a a staged relay run. We're going to get 20 people in the relay. They're going to do a marathon a day for six days and we're going to fundraise this half a million dollars that I want to fundraise. Um, but it wasn't until I, it took about a year to set up the website to get applications for the very first relay and to really like launch the event as the relay. How did, uh, how'd that first year go? Did you get a lot of response? No. (laughs) So at first I didn't. Um, so I had scheduled our very first relay to be in April of 2013. Um, so right after I finished my run across the country, I went with my boyfriend turned fiance during my run to his home country in Australia, stayed there for about six months and then came back to the U S and started building this relay concept. Um, I put the application out there and I, it was really, I mean, I would get, I had maybe seven people apply for the relay. I had no criteria cause I was just looking for people that would want to do it. And so we're in, you know, December, January before the relay is supposed to start, start April, 2013. And we only had like seven or eight people signed up for 20 spots. And so I just re I just emailed the group and I said, Hey guys, I really appreciate your interest. Um, I don't know what else to do. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. We only have eight people. We have 20 segments across the country. I don't know how, you know, really we're going to pull this off. And at the same time, I had also started a fitness business, um, and had really kind of gotten comfortable back home and enjoyed the idea of staying there and building my, building my business and making some money. And, um, the team emailed back and they're like, we're going to do this. We'll sleep in tents if we have to, um, three people signed up to run two segments. So it was like 300 miles. And they were really like, no, we're, we're going to do this. They were, and it's not like I was quitting, but I was just being honest with them. Like we don't have the people to do it. And so they started kind of being the foot soldiers and going out and finding runners and recruiting people. And by the time we started in April, we had 16 runners to do the 20 segments. Mm. And then, and then, uh, that first year, did you get a lot of social media press and all that on it where it created more interest for the following year? We did. And, um, before I started my run across the country, I actually kind of like the, the motorhome situation by chance ended up, uh, reaching out to Montel Williams, who had been a daytime talk show host for 17 years and is living with multiple sclerosis himself. Just wanted to let him know what I was doing. And he was really intrigued by it. Um, was, got involved with the organization, came out to see me during my run, got some sponsors on board. And so we were working with a PR company by the time the relay had rolled around. So they were putting out press releases and, uh, really promoting our runners, promoting the relay. And I had moved the relay South to Santa Monica, uh, specifically because Northern Nevada is extremely desolate. And if I moved it South to Santa Monica, we could run through Las Vegas and kind of have like a major city between California and uh, Salt Lake city, essentially. Yeah. I think there's, you got a little bit more opportunity for major cities when you go in the lower part of the U S. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, Montel Williams, he, you know, he's very well known and that's a good, that was a good stepping stone into helping your organization. The the first year, what'd you raise? 
I raised 56,000. Or are you talking about the relay or myself? The, no, the, I know you ra- raised that, but yeah. the relay, the first year of the, the relay. relay did $136,000. Amazing. You were probably really proud of that. I that was, time. it was, you know, it's why I, I love the relay so much because as an individual, you can say, I'm going to do something and then go out and do it. But then to, to want to do something as a community or with a group of people and then convince other people that they can do this big thing too, and then help them do it along with, um, fundraising, the amount of fundraising each runner has to do to participate. We put the benchmark at $10,000 per person. Mm -hmm. So those are two huge, massive individual goals. And so when we got to Santa Monica to start the relay in 2013, that was the, the feeling that I expected to feel for myself in New York. I was overwhelmed with pride and emotion and just joy for having had this team of people believe in what I saw and, and have that vision and then go out and do the fundraising. And and then that's 16 people who are using that, their networks to raise awareness for MS and to talk about the disease and to share my mom's story. It was just more than I could have ever hoped for when I thought of the idea um, on that treadmill in Barcelona. So tell me a little bit about your mom. She must've been so proud of you, especially not only for you running across the U S but for creating this organization that was helping MS and doing your part and actually significantly helping MS. Yeah, she had, uh, she was uh, a wonderful person, but she was someone of very strong faith. And she always knew that she always felt like there was a purpose for everything, even before I started MS Run the US. But once I started the organization and then ran across the country and um, got the relay going and then really started to do some fundraising, um, she felt that that purpose for it gave her life and her struggles a little bit more uh, layer of conviction that it had happened for a reason. And um, she was very proud of the work that we did. She was also very adamant that she wanted people to know why it was why she was so joyful and, and just a very strong Christian and wanted to share that faith with other people. And so it gave her an opportunity to to, to share the, you know, the the thing that impacted her life so much in such a positive way. Well, I, I got to believe how proud she was of you and she did pass away in 2017. Yeah. And you're keeping the torch alive, keeping her memory alive and using the organization for her as, as the reason your why. It's a beautiful way to, to continue talking about her that I absolutely appreciate and love. Well, good on you on that. That's awesome. Um, you really have built this up and you've raised so far, according to what I read, about $1.4 million for MS. So how does a person become, uh, get into a segment? Because I think you used to have 18 segments. Now you have 19 because you routed it up into Wisconsin. I did route it up into Wisconsin. 2019 was the first year we ran through Wisconsin, which was awesome. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, we have 19 segments. We have a really great application process. So if someone is interested in running 160 miles uh, over six days, which is a marathon a day for six consecutive days, and uh, taking on the challenge of fundraising $10,000 and being a part of this really cool team that runs across the country, 
they go to the website, msrunus.org, and they submit an application to be considered uh, part of the team. Once I get an application, so application period is April to August, uh, end of August, uh, sometimes mid-September, but essentially we open it up in April and I start interviewing runners end of July, or I'm sorry, end of June, July, August, and I select the team in September. Uh, so the team that is selected for the 20, the summer of 2020 to run across the country is just received their invitations in the mail. We announced the team in October and then spend six months training and fundraising to leave Santa Monica in April. So, uh, they submitted application. I keep those applications handy until I start interviews and interviews are done over video. Um, and really I just get to know someone I like to, what I'm looking for really is running ability and fundraising potential. Um, anyone who hasn't done a half marathon yet, we take into the program and cultivate them for a year. Cause I like that as, as my lowest standard, because that's where I was. I like to consider a runner like myself when I created the organization. So if someone's run a half marathon or more, um, I would consider them for a relay runner. And then I also like to see, you know, not many people have fundraised $10,000 or even a thousand dollars. So it's not necessarily that you've fundraised that much in the past, but that you have the potential to through your network and your platform and how involved you are in the community. So that's what the interview is for. Um, and then once I do interviews, I select the best person for each individual segment and then send an invite in the mail. So what, what is the criteria of a person as far as their health status? They, you just mentioned that they have to do at least have done a half a marathon to be able to qualify. But what are, what are some of the things besides that that you look for um, when you're doing your interview? Well, I, I talk about athletic past, you know, um, running base is something too. So if you have a runner that's only done a half marathon, let's say they've only done one half marathon, but they've been a runner for six years and they on a regular basis do three to five miles, you know, five times a week. That is a, that's a wide healthy base. And so I can reason, especially with my background in exercise science, that within six months, I can take a runner like that, who is very similar to myself, build them up in a, in as healthy and safe way as possible in their running base to be prepared to run 160 miles in six days. Um, if I have a runner that is new to running within a year, they have their half marathon, their first half marathon next month, and they've had, you know, shin splint issues in the last couple months of running. Those things are, um, I feel a little less, uh, not, not less optimistic about them, but I would want them to create a, a long, a wider base. I would put them into the cultivation program and really work with them, train them for a year before I would consider them for the next year's relay team. And so I look at what, uh, running base, uh, history of injury, how well you're, you know, are you in the right shoe? Have you been fitted for a shoe? Um, how, like, are you, have you tested nutrition? Things like that are all kind of come into play when I kind of get to know a runner a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure you, and, and it's very important that you pick the right people for the right segments because, um, you know, one that, that could bail on you or whatever, that, that would put a big hole into your 
your whole plan. So I, it sounds like you're very thorough when you're going through the selection process. The organization is really, and me personally, I'm very committed to a runner when we select them for a segment. If they accept it, I want them to be healthy and I want them to do the fundraising. We have fundraising cutoffs over the course of six months too. And I work really closely with the runners. If anyone's lagging, I don't just let them hang out there. It's, hey, let's have a talk about this fundraising as much as possible. What are you doing? What are you not doing? Um, A runner has never bailed because they are training and it's too much all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, So the two reasons that we've had runners not participate, one is if uh, we as an organization are doing everything we can in terms of fundraising, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So if they're not doing the things that we have outlined are the successful path to raising $10,000, they if they don't meet a cutoff and they're not doing those things and they, they don't move on to the next phase. So they're not allowed to participate. Um, or someone is actually just, they, they're doing everything. They're meeting the fundraising cutoff physically. They're doing the training, but they're injured. Mm-hmm. If something comes up, stress fracture, whatever it might be. will um, you know, at that point, the runners contact me and let me know where they're at and that they can't physically do it because of this injury that's come up. And, and you know, it's disappointment all around for not only the organization, but for the runner too, because they're just as committed. Right. Well, and you have backup plan. Our backup plan is we make it a community segment. So we don't, we have not, um, it, there's something unique and uh, exciting about being a part of the announcement team. So like, let's say we announce a team in October, someone gets injured in December. We try and replace them in January. It's never, really the that replacement runner has never really turned out to be a great fundraiser or a good fit um, because there's something about uh just being a part of that team from the get-go that like really bonds us and so we turn it into a community segment we have a community engagement manager that works for the organization and she'll uh we've made connections because we do the same route every year and she'll reach out to the community and we'll we'll get legs on the ground from the community to come out and do, you know, Hey, you do the marathon this day and someone else comes out the next day or a team of five comes out the next day. And so we mix it up and we get people from the community to cover the miles for us. That's, that's awesome. And, and as a runner, um, if you're, if you're in doing one of the legs, they, they have full support out there. You have people that are out there, you have vehicles, you have everything that they need. So they're, they're prime major involvement is running and fundraising and the rest of it is all taken care of for them. The road, the road crew is something that is extremely important to me for two reasons. One, um, during my training, I became an ultra marathon runner and I saw what good crew, how that can affect a long distance event for me personally, having that right support there for you is important. And, um, two, when I ran across the country, um, as I had mentioned, me and my boyfriend at the time, like we didn't really know what we were doing. I became very quickly obsessed and infatuated with the organization running this much, getting out and doing the miles, um, all of those things. And he, he was supportive for sure. I don't take anything away from that, but it was not essentially a good fit for him to, uh, be, you know, road crew for six months, because it is a ton of work that neither of us understood what that work looked like until we got started. 
And then we were already in it and he did a, a fantastic job for someone who had no idea what they were doing. Um, but I saw the importance of having someone that is ready to get up early, is ready to get some ice buckets ready for you, is ready to feed you. Is You know, road crew is completely selfless. And so finding the right person for that position is extremely important to me. Well, that's that's awesome. And, and is the road crew go the entire six months or do you have replacements along the way? So what we've done in the past is I usually contract a minimum of six weeks up to 10 weeks. Uh, anything over 10 weeks, I... I hadn't found someone that I thought could really live work on the road for 10 weeks every day, straight back to back and feel um, like they would do a, a, the excellent job that I want them to do. And, and you know, keeping in mind that we're a charity organization, so the pay is not out of this world. Um, right. It's fair, but it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, it can be long days. There's a lot of stuff that comes up. Um, a lot of it is like mechanical equipment stuff where you now have to run to the car service place after you've just crewed a runner for six hours and all you want to do is lay down and take a nap. Um, so I never contracted someone for really longer than 10 weeks on the road until the 2019 season, we had interviewed an individual that had been a, uh, a cross country and track coach for 30 years, Peter Oviet. And he had taken kind of a leave from that for about a year, was looking to get back into coaching, came across MS Run the U.S. in our road crew position. And he loves to travel. He loves to coach. He uh, was really intrigued with what we're doing. And um, as someone who regularly coaches people to the marathon distance, he was a little taken back that we get regular everyday people to do 160 miles in six days. So interviewed him and he said, I want to take the team from start to finish. And he was the first person that I met that I thought, okay, this person, um, I could really see them being on the road for that long and having it not be completely detrimental to, um, the type of performance I would want them to do for those four and a half months. So he did take the team from start to finish. That's great. Uh, that, that, I mean, you, you have just put this whole thing together. It's amazing how it, how it's all come about. Can you tell me about some of your runners and some of the, a couple of stories maybe about a couple of your runners? And, uh, we, we're going to be talking here pretty quickly with one of your, your runners out there, Laura. So you must have made great friends in this whole thing. Laura's a fantastic story. And one of the reasons I love her story is because she had found the organization. She wanted to do it, but also understood that um, it wasn't the right timing for her. And she needed to build herself up to that point where she could be a relay runner. So she actually joined our ambassador program for two years, uh, cultivated her um, distance running ability, but then also fundraising and just it being the right time for her family. And she ran in the relay uh, for the first time two years ago. So the 2018 team, she did a full segment by herself. And Laura is just, uh, she has a great story too, where her brother was diagnosed with um, a form of multiple sclerosis it's called um, primary progressive. And so it's very aggressive. Um, as I mentioned, my mom had relapsing remitting. So people with relapsing remitting, flare-ups and then it dies down and that can go on for the rest of your life and it doesn't necessarily decrease the longevity of your life. Um, and uh, primary progressive is a really aggressive form of multiple sclerosis. So you could very quickly go from a healthy individual to a wheelchair within a year or two and that's what happened to her brother. And um, he's, he's doing 
great things. He's very, you know, he's as active as he can be, but he has some serious limitations because of the aggressive form of his multiple sclerosis. Well, let's listen to Laura's story here in her own words. We had a chance to talk to her. Yeah, my brother, unfortunately, has uh, advanced progressive MS, primary progressive MS. So it's the most uh, aggressive form of the disease and where a lot of people can live relatively normal lives with MS, with medication and treatments, his disease continues to advance and progress every single day. So in the um, years that he's had MS, he was diagnosed at 25. He's 37 today. He is now wheelchair bound. Um, He's unable to care for himself or feed himself. Um, So it's, it's, it's a huge passion for me to help find an end to this horrible disease. Cause I've seen it basically take everything from him except his attitude. He always has a positive attitude. So it just makes me be a better person and strive to be a better athlete, a better human, uh, just all of, all around, just not take for granted the things that I have in my life. I asked Laura how she got connected in with the relay. So I got connected with MS Run the US. I think it was, I want to say 2016, and I, I get the years mixed up, but I, I'd been very involved with MS, the National MS Society. I've done a lot of MS walks and MS bikes, and I ran the Boston Marathon with MS, um, the Marathon Strides Against MS team two years. And I was just starting to think, I need something different. I need something more. I feel like I could make a bigger impact. I happened to stumble across this girl on Instagram um, who was one of the relay runners originally from Colorado. And she was posting, she had all these hats around her that said running for those who can't. And she said she was running for MS. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is this girl doing? She's going to run like 170 miles. This is crazy. But of course I was interested being an endurance athlete. So I started following her and I kind of followed her journey and it was too late that year to get involved with the relay itself. So I became an ambassador. Um, and as an ambassador, I raised funds and awareness, um, and kind of on the sidelines without running, <clears throat> excuse me. And then the next year I was set on becoming a relay runner and I got pregnant and had a baby. So I became an ambassador again for a second year um, and supported the, the cause, knowing that my end goal was to become a relay runner. And then 2018, it was finally my, my time and my chance to become a relay runner um, with MS Run the US. So I ran the segment four from Milford, Utah to Nephi, Utah. It was 136 miles in five days. So um, more like 30 miles a day versus the typical marathon. And because uh, it was a little bit more condensed and was able to raise um, close to 12,000 that year. Um, the nice thing with that, and I told Ashley, I said, she said, what segments would you like? What are your top three? And I said, I have one. I only want the Utah segment because my grandfather, who had passed away, was born and raised in Nephi, where I'd be finishing. And Nephi is two hours south of Salt Lake, where my family lives. And my brother, who has MS, who is my reason and my cause, um, for doing all of this is living. So he, they would be able to come down and be a part of the finish line. So no questions asked. Um, she was kind enough to give me that segment and to have my family there at the finish. It was just incredible. And then based on the people I met, based on the, the cause that year, I just knew I needed to come back and I knew I could do more. So I came back again this year and Ashley floated the idea of how would you like to kick the entire relay off st- starting in Santa Monica? So 
I couldn't pass that up. And so I got to stand on the edge of the Santa Monica Pier and have the mayor of Santa Monica hand me the baton and kick off the entire uh, relay. So um, me and then a partner of mine who lost her mom to MS, we ran the 172 miles from um, Santa Monica to Barstow this year to kick off the relay for 2019. And I raised, uh, I still have some funds coming in this year, but I'd say around 11, a little over 11,000 this year. Those that do a segment with MS Run, the U.S. Relay, do a lot of running in those five to six days. So I asked Laura what she thought about during her segment and how she mentally got through it each day. You know, I, I took every day individually. I didn't think about how many more miles I had to run. I just took that day in particular. And mentally, I thought about my brother a lot. I thought about the fact that he wakes up every day um, not knowing what his day is going to look like. How much pain is he going to be in? Is he going to be able to function at all? Is he going to be able to to move around at all? And, uh, you know, some of those fears faced me every day out there because I didn't know how my legs were going to feel after running 31 miles the previous day and having to turn around and do it again. And, and that's really why I did it. I wanted to put myself in his shoes and really understand what it feels like to be at that point of pain and wanting to give up and push through it. So I thought about that a lot. Um, I, I tried to keep it fun too, and a little bit lighthearted. I always told myself the first 10 miles is a warm up. The second 10 miles, uh, you're putting in work. And then the last 10 miles, you just grit and bear it and get it done. And I never listened to music until 20 miles in. And then it was my reward to listen to music for the last 10 miles. And I always had a dance party at 20 miles in and told myself I can make it another 10. So that's kind of what kept me going every day. And the final question that I was interested in asking Laura was, what would she say to one of you out there that are listening that may want to participate or get involved with MS Run the U.S. Relay? Well, I think a lot of people think to be involved with MS Run the U.S., you have to know somebody or um, be related to somebody that has MS. And what I've found is there's a lot of people that just want to find a reason to do good. And this is a reason to do good. If, you, if you're running and you want to use that as a platform to give back and help people's lives, I have firsthand seen the funds that we raise directly impact those living with this disease. So whether you have somebody in your personal life or an extended network that's suffering from MS, or you just want to do something good and, and use your gifts and your talents to give back, I love this MS Run the U.S. family, the organization from Ashley to the board of directors, to the runners, to the ambassadors. It, it, there, it's changed my life and I will always be a part of this organization. I can't imagine my life without it. Well, I appreciate Laura spending a few minutes with me to answer a couple questions. And you can find out more about Laura's participation by going to the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Now let's get back to my conversation with Ashley Snyder. Wow, Ashley, Laura is really an inspiration and what an amazing athlete and a person and uh, just, and because of her brother found your organization and got involved and, you know, you have such a good thing going here. I really enjoyed talking to Laura and, you know, and what she brings to you. And I can just imagine the same for everybody else that's involved with MS Run the U.S. Relay, whether they're a runner or a volunteer. Right. I think one of the powerful things that we have at MS Run the U.S. is that we have the opportunity to take something that 
we love as runners and use it for a purpose. And it's, it's just extremely empowering when you have to live and face with the heartbreak that MS can cause when you have that day to day, like I had with my mom, when I had a channel to put that energy of this is unfair, this sucks, this is hard. I don't want to watch someone I love go through this. When I had that channel to, I can do something huge about it and do something positive and empowering. It changes the perspective of how I talked about the disease and how I let people into my life and how much I wanted to make that difference. So some of your runners too, um, they must have a why, why they want to get involved with MS Run US. Um, do most of them have some a situation in their, their life that they, they feel that this is something that they want to do? What I found through the interview process and what I get from a lot of runners is they feel compelled for some reason to apply and be a part of this. They come across it kind of like you did and they catches their eye and they're like, what is this? And then they, it's just kind of pulls on your heart and it sticks with them and, and it marinates long enough for them to be like, this has got to be something that I want to do. Uh, some of our runners actually have MS. So we've had uh, at least a runner every year living with multiple sclerosis. That is a part of our relay team. So they are in that caliber of individual who is um, functional with the disease. And that's absolutely fantastic. And um, they're able to manage their symptoms and still run a marathon a day for six days. Uh, we have a lot of people like myself who love someone living with MS. We have a, um, a board member that joined as a relay runner and he did his first segment. His name is Matt Minakillo. He did it a couple of years ago. Um, and then he created a community segment the following year cause he has his own family and it's a huge commitment to train to run 160 miles in a week. So, um, we get a lot of runners who do it for the year and it is so much to take on. It's not just a week on the road. It is a year long commitment. Um, so he created a community segment and, uh, he's out of Ohio and his daughter has MS. So, you know, he came to the organization having run a marathon, um, wanting to do something huge for his daughter, Hannah. And so we have stories like that. And then, um, we do have people who didn't really maybe knew, you know, my teacher's cousin had MS, like very distant connection or no connection at all, but we're really intrigued with the running experience and we're willing to take on the fundraising challenge. But along the way, then they meet all of these people that they didn't know that have MS because it's not a visible disease. It can be something that can be hidden. Um, someone can look healthy and be living with MS and a lot of uh, pain and different um, disabilities or mobility issues. So um, we do have a group of people that join the event and didn't previously know, but by the end of their year, they know plenty of people that they're running for. That's amazing. Uh, it's got to be uh, wonderful for you to meet all these people and to learn about their lives and have them involved in your dream and what you're doing. And you do this from home, actually, because you have two children. You mm -hmm. have another child that's uh, like a week away, right? <laughs> Ten days. I have so many friends right now, and including my stepdaughter. A couple of them just had children, and my stepdaughter is going to have her second child uh, in about a month. And... Uh, Man, how wonderful is that? But you get to, how do you do that from home? You, you keep track of all your runners, have a lot of communication. You can see their routes and you can make adjustments if you need to make adjustments. 
Um, I, so I have a home office, um, and I always have, even before I had kids, I have just liked working from home and it works well for the organization. Cause then we don't have to, you know, it's not, it's not one more expense for the organization. So, um, I have built my life to fit around being the executive director of MS run the U S because I love it and I'm passionate about it and I want to do both. Um, and so when I met my husband and we got married and started having a family, he, he's an ultra runner too. He's actually participated in the relay. He did segment seven over the Rocky mountains for, uh, the organization the year, how was it? Uh, 2015. Um, and so he, and he's just has a very kind heart. So he loves this organization too. And, um, when we were dating, you know, just got on board with the idea that we were going to uh, in some way, this was going to be built into our lives. And so uh, I have home office. I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and my son is due on October 14th. And um, how I manage it is, you know, it's just, it's kind of like how I created the charity in the first year. You just take one thing at a time. Um, I built my team. Uh, this 2020 season is going to be a 10-year anniversary for my run across the country. And so it's been 10 years in the making. And if you had asked me 10 years ago where I wanted to be, I would have wanted to be here, but I would have wanted to be here immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and I now see the extreme value or the extensive value in experience and learning things over time. We have an absolutely amazing board of directors that is very active within the organization. Some board of directors are more advisory and these guys are hands-on. They're building the organization just as much as I do. How many board uh, uh, members do you have? Uh, five, including myself. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we're all over the country. We're in California, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Um, and then we have uh, employees, too. Amy Works is our community engagement manager. She ran the first two years as a relay runner, and she was one of those people didn't know. Uh, I think she, she was a hairstylist who... I think one of her clients had MS. Um, she had never done any fundraising, had done a couple marathons, had heard about the event from her personal trainer at her gym and had applied for the very first year I took her. I took anyone the first year, not that I wouldn't have taken her, but it was like, if someone applied, they made it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she did the event and she ran seven marathons in seven days across Colorado and no problems, raised $14,000 in the first year. And she's just fell in love with the organization and what we do and what we're about. And she has a very, uh, she has a heart for other people and she's a really great connector. So brought her on as our community engagement manager. I saw a lot of potential in, um, in her because I do have, I have, uh, great visionary skills, but those day-to-day -to -day touch base on everybody and, you know, those connector skills, I could see how I could, she could really, bring value to the organization. So I think that's what I've done over the last 10 years is I look for people that can bring value far outside of where I, you know, where I might have some blind spots or holes. And that has really helped build the organization. Nice. So over the years, you've, you've uh, raised approximately $1.4 million. What are some of the things that you have been able to do with the funds that you have raised? When I started, I was really focused on research for a cure and not to say that that focus has diminished, but my heart has definitely grown to helping people right now live with MS um, and to move as good as they can. And so um, our, 
our mission is threefold. So it's awareness-based, just letting people know what MS is and, and raising awareness for the disease and why we need donations for helping people living with the disease and, and for research. Um, so that awareness component is one. Research is still a component of what we do within our mission and where the money goes. We have partnered with two different research initiatives, one out of the University of Iowa, Dr. Walls, is nutrition-based. So she focuses on how nutrition affects, you know, just life with MS. Um, and then the other one is University of Illinois, and they focus on movement-based, how, how different movement, you know, applications can help people live better with MS. So the research is really like uh, movement and living better right now based type of research that we focus on supporting. And then the third part is a financial aid component. So we partner with the national MS society and a couple other organizations to fund requests for wheelchairs and ramps and, um, bathroom modifications and things like that. Um, every year to help people, you know, just live their lives better. In the recent article by Dan Simmons, he, uh, mentioned a person in Kenosha, Wisconsin that, uh, your organization was able to buy him a lift. Yeah. Um, and what, what was that to be able to be mobile and go uh, drive around? So Jeffrey, uh, one of the reasons we really loved his story is because he is so active. So he has a part-time job, loves getting out in his community. One of the things with MS is it can tend to, uh, this isn't, you know, a blanket statement over everyone, but it can tend to seclude you because you're diagnosed with this. Now you have mobility issues you know, you have pain you're dealing with and you, your community can get smaller because you're less mobile, you're less out, you're less doing that. Um, so we always are looking to help people that, that can get to stay connected. And what I love, what we loved with Jeffrey is that he, he was already connected. He just wanted to continue to stay connected. So specifically he had, he had a, a wheelchair for hit like a, an electric wheelchair for his bad days. He didn't use it solely, but every once in a while had a bad day, bad day, but he wanted to still be able to get to work on those days. And so he needed a, a lift for his vehicle. And so he had applied through the national MS society for a lift. And, uh, they, we have a process with them that they submitted the story to us and, um, we had granted him funds to be able to do that, get that lift installed. So it helps him, you know, keep his life as active as possible. So that's, Got to be a wonderful feeling for you to be able to make his life a little bit easier. I love, I mean, I love all the parts of what we do, but helping people with these financial aid requests is really something that I absolutely, you know, if the board wasn't there, I'd probably just give all our money to it because I just want to help people right now, you know, get out. And because I, I saw how it affected my mom, you know, how it secluded her if not on certain days, but for certain long periods of time. And my dad was her main caregiver. So it secluded him and, um, how much, uh, better their life was once they were able to get out into a community and be connected. It's what we're made to do as humans. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful, wonderful what you're doing. Um, so to kind of close out, uh, how can people get involved into your organization now? What, what, can they do? I know they can't do anything this year because this year is already set for 2020, but in 2020, what can they do? Well, right now, um, if someone would love to be, we always, uh, look, you know, so we have an ambassador program. That's the first one right there. 
um, someone can get involved right now with what they do. Uh, one of the things I love about our ambassador program is we actually compare ambassadors with these financial aid requests for direct funding. So if someone's a runner and they're like, Hey, I I love running, but I'm not going to do 160 miles in a week ever (laughs) or right now at least. Um, but I love what you're doing. They can be an ambassador. They can be a part of the organization, be a part of our MS family and also make a huge difference in people's lives. They can meet the person like Jeffrey. Um, we connect them directly and they can share each other's stories and, and do that specific fundraising for that individual. Um, so that's something I love with our ambassador program. Um, if they're along our route, we love to have people come out and see what we do and join our runners for some miles donations. We have 19 runners that need to fundraise $10,000 to be able to participate. So pick a runner and support them. We should have our website updated with the 2020 team by the end of next week ish. Um, you know, it's specifically by the end of October. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways that people can get involved. Um, and if they, if they have an idea, feel free to reach out. And, uh, I receive all of the emails from the website. So I'd love to connect with people that are interested in working with us. Well, that's great. So people can get involved right away if they want to. Um, I love the way your website is laid out, especially when you go in and you see the team, how you do it with the little cartoonish with their head on top. Um, and you really profile each person and their story. Uh, I, I think that's pretty good. I, I actually went through and I wanted to learn about some of your some of your runners and I would click on it and it would give me the whole profile and what they, you know, what their background is, where they're from and why they're doing it. And, um, you know, it gives, gives them a little bit of exposure and I'm sure it's good for donations too, that they know that they're solid on, on, on your site. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. I, I'm sure that you're going to get at least a couple of our listeners that are going to reach out to you. Cause this is an awesome thing. I didn't know anything about it. I know I hear stories about people running across the U S and, um, you know, I think anybody who's been a runner for a while has had that dream. Oh yeah. I think I'll run across the U S and, uh, you know, most of the time it never materializes and you were the 16th woman that has ever completed that at the time. I'm sure there's been some after that, but, yep. uh, it's amazing. And I, I'm so happy to have had you on to our show today and this episode. And I wish you a lot of success. I'll put all kinds of information in the show notes that people can go in and, and link up to and, uh, and really kind of understand your organization and maybe get involved. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the awareness component for sure. Uh, and just getting people involved or at least knowing a little bit more about MS. And I'm so proud of our relay runners and everything we do. And if you want a taste of running across America, there's an opportunity to do it for a week. Yeah. If I get back onto the mainland in that time period and I know where your runners are, I may come out and maybe run one day with one of them just for the heck of it. And then give a little donation. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Do you get people that that come out there and they'll run with the runner for a little bit? Or is it basically a solo thing? No, we get people to come out all the time. We get uh, just, yeah, we met this guy in Iowa who happened to see us running and he was a pig farmer, came out, put his running shoes on and he meets us every year. So we get people that love that expect to see us and they love to come out. Um, and maybe I can work on you a little bit and you can take a segment on in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I gave up my, I've done 101 marathons. I gave up the long distance, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the fact that if I was on the mainland, living on the mainland, um, that I would, I would consider this because um, <laughs> I think it's awesome. I really do. And a week out of your life to go out and exercise and, you know, be able to burn those calories so you can go eat for one day, anything you want at all would be awesome. But really helping out your organization would be the number one thing. Well, and seeing what, what you're capable of, you know what I mean? Like not many people fathom running 160 miles in six days. We get everybody, people to do it every year. People, you know, all of us are more capable to do things than we think we are. And I think you even went back right at the very beginning of our interview, you talked about mental aspect of stuff and, um, and then, and that's how you somewhat condition some of your runners is the mental aspect. And really that's all it is. Uh, you know, they're not going to go out, they're not racing. They're not going, trying to do an eight minute mile or a seven minute mile. They're out there to do 160 miles in a week. Yep. Yeah. And so however you slice and dice that and work it out, uh, that's how it works. Yep. And then you, you experience some hardships for sure, especially in training, uh, sometimes during the week, unfortunately, but uh, it's just that, that why that you talked about always gets them through it in one way or another to uh, get to that finish line, whatever it looks like. And um, I have personally kind of, I step back from trying to control each runner's uh, segment and experience because every runner's on their own journey. So if they get a foot issue, we work through it the best way we can, but it's really, it's them versus them and the road and MS and, you know, taking all those things into account and creating their week into what it ends up being for them is part of their journey. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley. And also uh, thanks to Laura for coming on and giving her a little story also, but I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing and I wish you continued success. This is something you're going to keep having for year after year after year, I assume. Yes. And we have some big plans for growth. I wrote my book about running across the country too. And so working on a lot of things for more awareness and stuff for the organization, but I really appreciate you having me on and um, just getting the chance to talk about it. Is your book published? It's not yet. I just went through the first phase of the manuscript, so I'm doing revisions with an editor, and uh, and we're going to be submitting some pieces for publication next or so in 2020. Make sure you let me know when it's out. I will for sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Well, there you have it, folks. And thanks, Ashley and Laura, for coming on and for sharing what MS Run the U.S. Relay is all about and all that you're accomplishing, all the wonderful things. Congratulations. It's uh, just amazing. And we need more Ashleys in this world. We really do. You are doing a wonderful thing, Ashley. And a little footnote, we recorded this back in October and she had her child and so did my stepdaughter. She had a brand new little baby boy named Easton. And now I have Carson and Easton. And just like anybody out there would say about their own children, Carson and Easton are absolutely adorable and the best boys ever. Little frustrating though, because they are in Denver and I'm here on Maui. 
but I will get to Denver as much as possible to go see them because they're adorable, as I'm sure your children or grandchildren are also. So runners, you may want to consider getting involved with MS Run the U.S. Ashley already has the team selected for 2020, but I believe there might be some volunteering opportunities still available. Uh, But you can certainly submit an application when that time comes if you want to participate in 2021 and maybe be selected for that team. But you can get more information by going to msrunthus.org. The site is packed with information and you can even check out the 2019 team and a little bio about each one of them and how much they were able to raise last year. I will also put this link in the show notes along with some other information and you can find that at feelgoodrunning.com. That's feelgoodrunning.com. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. All right, runners, here is this episode's inspirational running quote. I really like these. And it's from Walt Disney. He was an inspirational dude. Look what he created. And it goes like this. If you can dream it, you can do it. Again, if you can dream it, you can do it. Now, Ashley dreamed she could run across the United States and she did it. Ashley also dreamed she could create the MS Run the U.S. Relay, fully motivated to raise money for the multiple sclerosis cause. And she did it and she continues to see that dream be a reality year after year. So what's your running dream? To do a 5K, maybe a marathon, even an ultra race? Whatever that dream is, if you can truly dream it, you can do it. So keep your dream alive. You will make a difference to yourself and to others. Well, folks, that is it for this episode. Thanks again to Ashley Snyder and Laura Allred for being my amazing guests. And please share this episode with your running friends and on social media. And if you're new, check out some of the past episodes and also check out this episode's show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Now, mark your calendars for episode number 21. That would be January's Running News Minisode that will be out on Thursday, January 30th. I have a very big announcement for that episode. So be sure to mark it down and listen. All right, runners, as I always say, just show up and always, always feel good about your running. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel-good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.